This program has been made by the friends and partners of Jennifer LeClaire Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's teaching. Other translations say where your money is, that's where your treasure is. Your heart will always pursue what you really value as treasure. We always make time for what's more important to us. We always have money for what's most important to us. You know, only 5% of Christians give in services. 5%. We give you praise and honor and glory. Help us, Lord, to adopt your mindset your thoughts, your ways in regards to money. Let the spirit of truth permeate this atmosphere in Jesus' name. Amen. Money. Is it evil? Is it not evil? See, some Christians actually believe that money is evil. Money in and of itself is not good or evil. It just is. When you have money, though, it will reveal what's in your heart. The Lord put it to me this way. He said, money magnifies what's in your heart. So if you're lustful, you'll lust after more money. If you're greedy, you'll greed, you'll, you'll, you won't be satisfied. If you're generous, you'll be a bigger giver. It reveals what's in your heart. It reveals your character. So we've got to get this right. If we have wrong beliefs about money, we've got to root them out because God can't trust us with more money if we have a wrong mindset. If we're serving mammon, guess what? We're not going to get more mammon or we're not going to keep it. Here we find in Matthew 6, verse 21, in the Passion Translation, Jesus says, for your heart will always, somebody say always, your heart will always pursue what you value as your treasure. Other translations say where your money is, that's where your treasure is. Your heart will always pursue what you really value as treasure. We always make time for what's more important to us. We always have money for what's most important to us. You know, only 5% of Christians give in services. 5%. Five, somebody say 5%. That's a shocking number. You know, how much further could we take the gospel if Christians actually did what the gospel says, give and it shall be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. But somehow we've got a wrong mindset about money. We sometimes, we, for some reason, actually think that it's ours. That's why we say, my money is God's money. Hello, newsflash, it all belongs to God. The Bible says the silver is mine, the gold is mine, the earth and the fullness thereof, it all belongs to him. We are just a steward. We have to understand that. When we understand that, everything shifts. So that's the first thing. If you want to know where, how much you love God, should I say this? Yeah. Afternoon service, should I say this? Yeah. If you want to know how much you love God, look at your checkbook. Look at your credit card statement. We all have to spend things, you know, food, okay, your grocery bill, your car bill, your house bill. But if you're giving more money to Gucci than you are to God, we've got a problem. I just felt the spirit of conviction fell. Somebody here's wearing Gucci. I'm not talking about you, okay? 
It's a pr- I'm not against Gucci. You know what? God's not against Gucci either. But if it's Gucci, 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 Awakening House of Prayer, $3. Gucci, 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 Gucci. I submit to you that it might be possible that your priorities are a little. How many pairs of Gucci's do you need? Praise God. Amen. We've got to get it right. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and everything else we need will be added to us. Look at your checkbook. Is it ungodly to be rich? See, some Christians actually believe that being rich is ungodly. Somebody say the devil is a liar. And so is his mother-in-law. It's not ungodly. Now, you, you can, you, you can, riches can, if there's something off in your heart, you can go, you can go off. But being rich in and of itself is not ungodly. Abraham was rich. Amen? David, King David, was rich. Solomon was rich. Okay? How about Moses? This one always gets me. Moses, they're rebuilt, they're building the temple for God. And at one point, Moses has to say, hey, quit bringing the offerings. We've got just way too much. We, we got too much. Have you ever heard a pastor ever say, quit bringing me the offerings? We've got too much. No, that's because so few Christians actually give. And we wonder why we don't have. Well, I'm asking, so I should have. Not if you're not giving. We've got to do everything the Bible says if we want to have everything it says we can have. And Jesus said it's more blessed, or actually in the Bible, Paul said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so, see, it's getting awfully quiet in here. You're thinking I'm trying to take up an offering. I'm not, I'm not taking up an offering. I'm trying to get you to a place where you think right about money. It's not ungodly to be rich. It's not ungodly. First Timothy 6, verse 9 through 11 But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation. Those who do what? Desire to be rich. Another translation says crave after riches, like lust after it, like put that first. Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. That's, that's, That's pretty indicting. That's pretty indicting. The Bible says, follow after love and desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. See, there are certain things the Bible tells us to desire. There are certain things that the Bible tells us we are to go after, that we are to pursue, that we are to crave the presence of God, the face of God. Spiritual gifts, not money, not money. And what's really sad, if I can be so bold in the PM service to say that in the church today, we have a lot of preachers that are using spiritual gifts to get money. Yeah. And it's, it's, and that's what we're modeling to the body of Christ. And so many Christians have been burned by giving to false prophets that they don't give at all. And that still dries up your finances. We must do what God says we're going to have, we have to do. Somebody shout Amen. Don't let the first service shout you down now. The first service got on it. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. See, it's not wrong to be rich. We just can't crave after it. We just can't love money. See, the Bible says you can't serve two masters. Guess what? You can't love them both either. You can't serve God and mammon. We have to make a choice. 
We've got to make a choice today. Who are we going to serve? Who are we going to love? Who are we going to submit to? Because too many of us are allowing mammon to tell us what we can do or not do instead of allowing the master to tell us what we can do and what we cannot do. You know, we get, we get an unction. We get a, a conviction that we're supposed to sow into whatever ministry that's feeding children or digging wells in Africa. And we ask mammon, can I sow? We ask our bank account. Open our wallet. Can I sow? Well, there's nothing in here. We're not supposed to take advice from mammon. We're supposed to follow the spirit of the Lord in where we sow and what we do and how we give. Amen. Amen. Don't let mammon dictate to you. Somebody say, I don't serve mammon. Mammon serves me. Amen. I used to serve mammon. I used to have all kinds of debt. I used to have all kinds of credit card interest. I used to have all kinds of issues. Guess what? Now mammon serves me. How is that so? Well, because when I put my money in the bank, guess what? I get interest. Hallelujah. When I use my credit cards, I pay them off at the end of the month and I get free clothes. Praise God. Free plane tickets, free meals. Mammon's working for me. I got banks paying me money. Hallelujah. Amen. I told the first service, people like, I, I, I always have new clothes. Why, you know, people criticize. Oh, you always have new clothes. I get my clothes for free, honey. I get all kind of points at all kind of stores, and I get all my clothes for free. Praise God. Amen. Amen. I go places, and people just want to give me money all the time. They're not too happy. You were happy. See, he understands the anointing flows from the head. I went to, we were in Berlin. Somebody comes up to me and says, I just have to give this to you. I'm like, well, praise the Lord. I open it up and it's 500 euros. Hallelujah. That's like $800. Praise God. She's going to get blessed because she clapped. The rest of y'all, need to, you need to let go of that jealousy. Amen. Amen. We have to celebrate one another. See, I'm, I'm teaching you. Now, I'm not bragging. I'm bragging in the Lord. Because I've learned how to make money work for me. And favor, that spirit of favor rests upon my life. And part of the reason why is because I give. I can't barely pay for my own meal anymore. Somebody always wanted to pay for it. Why? 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 Because for years I paid for everybody's food. For years, I sowed and sowed and sowed and sowed into the preachers. For years, I did these things. It doesn't happen if you do it just once. You have to cultivate a lifestyle of giving. You have to understand how to steward your money. And yes, I tithe off my birthday money, praise God. Anytime somebody gives me money, I tithe off of it. Well, tithing's Old Testament. Okay, that's fine. I'll do it and get blessed. You can do it and stay... Oh, nope. People think it's Old Testament. What I say is, if we can give 10% under the law, what should we be able to do by grace? 10% should be the baseline. He owns all of it. He owns all of it. Oh, Somebody turned to your neighbor and said, do you have money or does money have you? Is it godly to be poor? The unseen realm of the spirit is more real than what we experience with our five natural senses. Just beyond the veil of what the natural eyes can see, hosts of angels and demons are actively working. The Bible says that all Christians have been brought into this dimension through Jesus Christ. Many people who see in the spirit often don't know what they're seeing or understand the dimensions of spiritual sight. But this landmark book, The Seer Dimensions, will help you unlock these mysteries. Written by best-selling author Jennifer LeClaire, this book will help you tap in to the seer dimensions. You'll discern what is from God and what is demonic. You'll interpret the activity you're seeing in the spirit. 
you'll tap into what God is doing in and through you and manifest breakthroughs for yourself and others. Seer Dimensions will impart useful information, practical instruction, biblical application, and powerful prayers for operating in the spiritual world. Pick up your copy of The Seer Dimensions wherever books are sold. Ancient texts foretell a time when God's celestial beings, angels, will once again have manifested influence over the earth. The sudden increase in angelic visitations reported worldwide suggest we're entering the time, an era foretold in the book of Revelation, when, during Great Awakening, miracles will occur, trumpets will sound, and the everlasting gospel will resound throughout the heavens. Now, more than ever, believers need to understand the role that angels are set to play and discern the difference between the coming holy and unholy encounters. Now, more than ever, you need Angels on Assignment again by Jennifer LeClaire. People think it's Old Testament. What I say is, if we can give 10% under the law, what should we be able to do by grace? 10% should be the baseline. He owns all of it. He owns all of it. Oh, Somebody turned to your neighbor and said, do you have money or does money have you? Is it godly to be poor? See, some people think it's godly to be poor. I don't think it's a good witness. I don't think it's a good witness at all. Now, I was in poverty one time because of circumstances in my life of which I had no control, but I didn't stay there. I was on food stamps and WIC and lived in a little place in the middle of nowhere that was $400 a month because I couldn't afford to live anywhere else, but I didn't stay there. We're all going to go through hard times. We endure financial attacks, but we don't stay there. And if we have the right mindset about money, and if we give what God tells us to give, we won't have to deal with so many lack attacks. Hallelujah. I don't have any lack. I did a call the other day. Uh, I called for a, a thousand partners to give $25 a month or more, which isn't all that much money. I said, we, we're, we're expanding the ministry. We're going into nations. We're setting up facilities. We're doing all this. And I want a thousand partners at $25 a month or more. And somebody took that as, I'm so sorry, your ministry is struggling financially. I said, I bind that in Jesus' name. You're not going to speak death over my finances, but that's what many of us do. Every time you say, I can't afford it, guess what? You won't be able to. We've got to get the lack out of our mouth. We've got to get the poverty out of our mouth. We've got to get the poverty out of our mind if we're going to get it out of our life. We've got to make some changes. You want to see some big changes? You've got to do some big things. It's not godly to be poor. Luke 18, this is where people, this is why people think this is because of Luke 18, 18 through 23. Now a certain ruler asked Jesus saying, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good, but one that is God. You know, the commandments do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your mother and father. And he said, all of these things I have kept since my youth. 
So when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful for he was very rich. Now, here's the thing. Jesus wasn't calling him to take a vow of poverty. Jesus was dealing with the issue in his heart that was preventing him from intimacy with the Lord. See, if, 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 if intimacy with God, if closeness with God, if relationship with God, if money is going to get in the way of that, he'd rather see you have barely getting by status than fall away from him completely. Because later on, we're going to see some of the bad things money does to people. And if you've got a problem with money, maybe it's better that you don't have any, but that you, you have to learn how to depend on God. Does that make sense? See, when we're struggling financially, we depend on God in a new way. When we're struggling in our health, we depend on God in a new way. When we're struggling in our marriages, we depend on God in a new way. We seek him more. We seek him out more. We depend. We have to trust him. We don't have a choice. The reality is we don't ever have a choice because we're all dependent on him all the time. Amen. The rich young ruler was not an invitation to, uh, parable is not an invitation to poverty. One's not more spiritual if they have nothing. He was just dealing with his mindset because again, Matthew 6, says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else you need is going to be added to you. And I believe I, for years I've meditated on this verse and I believe that if this young man had given away everything he had, he would have got it all back even in this lifetime because Jesus said, well, you know, the disciples asked Jesus, they said, we've given up lands and families and a and he said, well, you'll get back, you know, a hundredfold in the, in the next life and you'll get in this life too. And so we have to understand that anything we give to God, we're not losing it. We're giving it to him so we can multiply it. Not just add to it, but multiply it. So whenever I put a seed in God's hand, I know he's going to multiply it. There's seed time and harvest time. There's time in between. Sometimes it's immediate. Sometimes it's a long time of watering the seed. We're all going to be tested in money from time to time. Some of you may have been tested with money and didn't know it. We're all going to be tested. God wants to see. See, he already knows where our heart is with money. He wants us to see where it is. And that's the mercy of God. Because when he shows us something's out of line, he gives us the grace to put it back in line. So, so here's the nature. The nature of being deceived is that you don't know you're deceived. When you're thinking wrong, you don't know that you're thinking wrong until God begins to shed light on it. And you can say, wait a minute, that's a wrong thought. And you don't automatically necessarily stop thinking wrong immediately, but you're aware of the wrong thought, and then you renew your mind with the word of God. Does that make sense? It's the same thing with money. We've got to get our mind right, and he'll test us. He'll test us. When I was in the world, I was saved, but I was making about $300,000 a year. I worked for Microsoft, Amazon. I worked for IBM. I worked for Fortune 500 companies. And I saved a lot of money. I bought a lot of properties. I was a good steward of that. And that's why I have so many properties today, because I bought them with money that I earned in the world. But, you know, the Lord began to deal with me about laying down a good chunk of the business and just keeping a couple of clients and taking on work as editor of Charisma. And I really wanted to be editor of Charisma, but they were offering me $30,000. And I had 20 years experience in the industry at the time, $30,000. 
And the Lord said, you know, the Lord said, well, you know, if you, do you, do you want to pursue your calling or, or not? And so I took the job for $30,000 and I had to lay aside a lot of my other clients. I kept a couple or let, allowed me to keep a few and th different things would come up. But guess what? I've had plenty still. I had plenty still. And after a few years, I, I worked my way up there and they started paying me and, about $120,000 a year. So that was a big increase. They started paying about $120,000 a year. Still wasn't three hundred, dollars but it was plenty. I mean, how much do you really need? And so at that time, I started getting comfortable and the Lord said, it's time for you to lay that down and go into full-time ministry and just trust me for everything. So these are tests. If money can hold you back, from God's will, it will. If money can keep you from letting go of something that God is trying to get you out of, it will. We live in a digital era in which we can have friends all over the globe. Yet true, deep, personal connections are hard to come by in a busy world. And finding a church that offers prophetic revelation and practical keys to overcome the enemy's plans for your life can be difficult in a seeker-friendly church world. Enter ahop.online, an outreach of Awakening House of Prayer. We're a global community of believers passionately pursuing God's presence. We're a prophetic church where the Holy Spirit moves. We empower you to live a supernatural breakthrough lifestyle. Get connected and make true connections in the Awakening House of Prayer global family. If you can't come to our church in Florida, come to our church online. Hey guys, Jennifer LeClaire here. I'm coming to you with an exciting opportunity to partner with me as I advance the kingdom of God around the world. As many of you know, I am doing a daily prayer call that's reaching millions of people, millions and millions of people a year but I'm also planting houses of prayers, prayer hubs, apostolic centers, and of course, raising up prophets and prophetic people. But I'm also sowing, sowing, sowing. Jennifer LeClaire Ministries sows back into at least 15 other ministries that are touching the sex trafficking industry. They're touching digging wells in Africa. They're helping uh, drug addicts rehabilitate and so, so much more. I need your partnership. When you partner with Jennifer LeClaire Ministries, whether you're in Europe, Asia, Africa, Australia, here in the U.S., wherever you are in the world, you are helping to open a door for me to come to your nation. You are helping feed hungry people. You are helping the gospel be preached. You are helping media projects flow forth. You are helping, you are sowing, and you will reap a harvest. Listen, you cannot outgive God. I can't do what I do without faithful supporters like you. You know, Billy Graham used to say that the janitor who cleaned the bathrooms would receive the same reward as he did for standing on a platform and preaching the gospel. When you sow into our ministry, you receive a reward. I want to invite you to become an official partner. You'll receive a monthly partner resource, special seating at my events, and so much more. The most important thing is you're being partakers of advancing the kingdom of God, especially if you're a prophetic person, if you're mission-minded, if you're apostolically focused, support. So pray. Amen. God is good and he's doing so much more than any one of us can do alone, but together we can do 
a lot. We can make an impact. We can have influence on a lost and dying world. It's time. It's time to rise up and go further. I'm asking you, become a partner today.